Okay, 1 Peter chapter uh, 2, in verse 19 through 25. Uh, just read these again. We did this this morning, but I want to go over it again. For this is thankworthy if a man for conscience toward God endure grief, suffering wrongfully. For what glory is it if when ye be buffeted for your faults, ye shall take it patiently. But if when ye do well and suffer for it, ye take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. For even here too were ye cold, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps. So we have the same example, uh, each of us, to follow. And that is the example of Jesus Christ and his humanity. Verse 22, who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously, who his own self bare our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. For ye were a sheep going astray, but now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. Well, let's have a word of prayer, and then we'll get into the message. Father, I thank you that you not only save us, but then you're also, in addition to that, a shepherd and a bishop to our souls. And I thank you that to ensure all things, that when we received you, you gave us thy Holy Spirit. So I thank you for that, Lord. And Father, I pray again that there may be someone under the sound of my voice tonight that does not know Christ as Savior. I pray that this would be the night they come to him. But I pray also, Lord, for the people of God to be edified, to be challenged to righteousness and true holiness of life. And we would ask this in that name that's above every name, the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, we looked at this uh, passage tonight uh, because it went, it's what we did this morning. And this morning, we were looking at... Uh, Mad, manhood becomes uh, fatherhood. And that, the idea behind that, again, is what becomes that is how you know a person. You go and say, man, go to that guy. He, he, he's really nice, and he'll do that. If she's really nice, he'll, she'll do that. Or go to them. They'll tell you actually the right thing. And so you go to them. That, that's when you need to see. And then we'll say, watch them because they'll do this, they'll do that. And it's usually a positive thing, but it becomes that person. And somebody sees them doing that, and you'll say, yeah, that's them. That's them. Yeah, they do it right then. They'll, they'll take care of it. Uh, for an example, I can take advantage of some people by saying, if you ask him to do it, he'll do it. Okay? And, and boy, they'll jump right on it and do it. Just ask him, hey, I need this done. Can you get that? Oh, 
Let me do it right now. You know, Miss, uh, Mrs. Nelson, now that she's gone up there and she can't, she can't hide from me, now she's in the other room, so she can't bow down when I say something about her. But Mrs. Nelson, if I say, Mrs. Nelson, can you get this done for me? I, I need it tomorrow, if not later today, <laughs> you know. She's got a million things. You, you have no idea how much that lady does for this church. She does a lot. But if I, if I say that to her, she'll get right on it and do it right then, okay? That is, um, that, that's her. That's what becomes her. You associate that with her. And manhood, that is godly manhood, should become a man who calls himself a Christian as a father. As a father, that should become you. So that's, that's the idea when we had behind that word become. Now tonight, the question was, men, do you have your house in order? And, you know, a lot of times you, you think of Hezekiah when the Lord says, okay, you're going to die and uh, you've got to um, set your house in order. Now, the Lord gave him 15 more years, but at the time he thought he was going to die and he was if he hadn't uh, got with the Lord, and the Lord gave him 15 more years. But he was told to put his house in order. We read in the other parts of the Bible where men put their house in order before they died. And so it's good at all times to have your house in order. It, it actually is. And so uh, a father, as a father, your children need a father who is a Christian Father. Now, you can't be a Christian father if you're not saved, okay? I mean, uh, you can be religious, but you can't be a Christian. You've got to be saved. You've got to be saved before you can be that. But you need, you need to make sure that you are a Christian father. Now, what you do for your child reflects what you are as a Christian. Okay, an example in John chapter 1 verse 12, but as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. And by the way, let me just add this to it. Now this is something that won't matter to, to most people down the road. Uh, but we're, we're in this day, now everybody is worried about uh, male, female, this, that, and so forth like that. But listen, when become the sons of God, actually the Greek word there is children with a masculine in, ending. But the idea is anyone. The idea there. But in that time where this is addressed, as many as received him to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even them that believe on his name. The them helps it to see that it applies to all, not just to males, okay? The children of God. But because it's addressing perhaps a masculine audience, when this is spoken, then it has that masculine ending. Just, that's just a little thing that you get in a Greek class that most of you aren't going to take. And I don't remember hardly anything I took in it myself. I cannot even do the Greek alphabet anymore. You had to do that all the time when you was in Greek class. But I, I can't even do that anymore, I don't think. But what I'm saying is, 
is that um, as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God. When you received him, you became a child of God. How are you representing your father? How are we representing our father? Uh, we saw in verses 24 and 25 what he did for us. He bare our sins in his own body on the tree that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness. Why would we be dead unto sin? Because he paid it all. He washed our sins away in his own blood, as Revelation uh, tells us. And, and then also, just thinking of what he's done for us, we should live unto righteousness because if he doesn't do that for us, then we are not saved. So we, we see that. Your children need a Christian dad. They need a Christian mom too. But they need a Christian dad. Now understand that word Christian. Remember when they were first called uh, Christians there in the Bible, in the book of Acts? Now the word is worded in such a way that it's defined as Christ ones or Christ-like. It's the same idea either way, okay? Christ ones, Christ-like. They're calling them Christ ones because everything was about Jesus. They were exalting Christ. They were telling them Jesus was the only way of salvation. They were telling them all these things about Jesus Christ. So they started calling them Christians. They're Christ ones. And looking at their lives, they were Christ-like. So they could see the way they lived, it became them. So that when somebody saw them, what, 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 what's that group all about? Oh, they're Christ ones, they're Christ-like. Okay. That's the idea behind the idea of the word Christian. That's why you've heard me say many times over the years, I believe that a man can be saved but not really a Christian because he's not living Christ-like. There's nothing about his life that identifies him with Christ. I've had people tell me about someone that goes to church or something like that that's faithful, even to our church. Seems to be faithful. Yet they've heard him on the job and the mouth that they heard, they said, that's a Christian. And so again, I say a Christian, Christ-like, and your children need a saved dad, a saved mom, who is Christ-like. That makes the difference. Now, think of Christ on the cross. I mean, we just read about the example that he left for us when he suffered wrongfully, buffeted, all these other things. When reviled, he didn't revile again. But you go to Hebrews chapter 12 and keep these verses in mind in 1 Peter chapter 2. Because when you look at Hebrews chapter 12, begin with verse 1, and it says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with a great cloud of witnesses. Now, I'll just stop there. We explained that last week, actually. The cloud of witnesses is not all those people that died, maybe loved ones that died that are in heaven, and they're watching us. No, the cloud of witnesses is those in Hebrews chapter 11 
who lived it in their humanity, they were under the same kind of things as we are. As James says, that he was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. And so, they were human flesh. Abraham prayed, but he was a human being. So when we see all those things about that, what encompasses us is that there is not only the example of Christ, there's an example throughout the Word of God of men who lived it by faith in Christ, by an indwelling Holy Spirit of God, and they were victorious. Because the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we find out, I believe it's in John chapter 3, had the Spirit, that is the Holy Spirit, in His humanity without measure. Meaning, the Spirit of God in the humanity of Christ. And they were one. I mean, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Three divine persons in one divine essence. But in His humanity, Jesus Christ was submitted to the Father and allowed His humanity to be filled and directed by the Holy Spirit. We see that in our text. But we're also seeing the great cloud of witnesses who also did that. So he says, seeing that we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside, lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Now think about that. <clears throat> Laying aside simply means this. We have a personal responsibility. And I, I can pray, you can pray, Lord, I did that again. I didn't mean to do that, and I did it. Take it from me. Perhaps his answer is, I've given you my Holy Spirit. You can have victory but you've got to take responsibility to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit of God. Now, I gave you that illustration this morning about the horse smelling the lion on the straw, even though there was not a lion in that stall. A lion had laid on it. The horse had never seen a lion. But by his sense of smell, something he had never seen, he knew was dangerous to him, and so, he would have, they would not go in that stall. But when you get in the Word daily, and you think on it daily, and you meditate on it daily, and you have a heart that I'm going to do what He tells me to do, and you want to know God in His person, and so you want to grow in the grace and the knowledge of Christ, knowing His person, growing in the knowledge of His very person. Now, I said a 
few minutes ago, my wife and I have been married 53 years. But when I was dating her, I didn't know her then like I do now. Fortunate for me, she didn't know me then like she knows me now, or she would have never married me, okay? But, but what I'm saying is, is that you grow to know the person so much more so that if somebody made an accusation against that person you know, and it's a false accusation, they wouldn't have to question it. They'd already know. That's not him. That's not her. That's not that person. So we get to know through the Word of God the person of Christ. That's how and that's why you need to be in the Bible every day. Start your day out in the Word of God. Meditate on the Word of God and, and, and read it and read it again and read it again. Ask every day when you, before you open that Bible to read it, say, Lord, help me to understand what I'm reading. Teach me. Show me. Show me yourself. Help me to learn more about you and what needs to be dealt with in my life. But get to know the Lord. And just like that horse would not go into a stall because the smell of a lion that he had never seen there, in this like matter, when you grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, you grow in His Word, there may be things that you don't know are sin. But that Holy Spirit's indwelling and having power over your life can give you a victory and say, well, I don't trust it. I'm not going to do it. Even though it was explained to me as being a very good thing, I'm not going to do it. Because God has not showed me in His Word, nor has given me peace. He troubles me about this thing. See, a lot of people and a lot of things try to imitate Christ, but are not Christ. Even in the tribulation, you have the Antichrist, you have the false prophet, and that old dragon, the devil. It's called the unholy trinity. And even that in itself is a lie because they're not of one essence, but they are of one mind. But you see, that's a false imitation, and that will deceive many people in the tribulation. And so you need to get to know the Lord so well that you can't be taken in by those things. So that weight that so easily besets us, then you just don't stop there. You run the race with patience that is set before you. In other words, you abide. You abide. Things will happen. Things will happen that you won't like. You know, I, one of the things you'll hear me to say when we have our invitation is uh, we invite for church membership. I say you must have been saved. You must have been baptized by immersion after your salvation. And you need to make it a matter of prayer. Why? Well, somebody says, well, I like the preacher. I like the music. I like the youth director. I like this. I like that. So they want to be a part. But something happens to that preacher. Something happens to that youth director. Something happens to that whoever. Then you may leave. See, 
you need to be here because you know this is where God led you. You know that God wants you here. And you're going to stick with it whether there's troubles or trials or not. You're sticking with it. See, that's it because God wanted you here. Now, some people, they'll go to church and all of a sudden, people aren't talking to me. People look at me. They snubbed me. They're not the ones that called you to the church anyhow. Now, if people are bad to you, just realize that you have lowered yourself lower than what you think they are. If that's the way they treat me, I'm not going back. Uh, is, how's the Lord treating you? And how are you treating the Lord? We read this in 1 Peter chapter 2, how we are to react. We are to react as he did, who would bear it patiently. So we need to lay aside. That's a personal responsibility that each of us have. And God set us an example through Christ Jesus to do it, but in telling us to lay aside that sin which does so easily beset you, that means there's a personal responsibility. God is actually trusting us to do it. In other words, God is, we talk about faith in God, but God is putting some faith or trust in you to do it. Think of that. Now, over the years, there's been people who got saved, maybe it was alcohol. Some got saved. As a matter of fact, Brother Evie gave his testimony here about uh, being here just a little while ago. But he, one part of his testimony is that when he first came to church here, he had a problem with tobacco, if he doesn't mind me saying that. But the Lord took it from him. Okay, the Lord took it from him, but he had personal responsibility to try to quit. And he did, and the Lord gave him the strength to do it. He had to make the decision, <clears throat> excuse me, that is out of my life, and so that's no more a part of me. But now think about this. Some people have had a, something that really hits them hard. And they don't understand what the Lord's doing, but they feel like, why did the Lord allow that to happen to me? Maybe they had a problem with drinking in the past. And they take a drink to handle it. And that drink handles nothing. Some, it's like with Brother Evie, he had a tobacco problem when he first came to this church back there quite a few years ago now. But really, really, saying, oh, I'm all upset now and this has gone wrong. I mean, uh, he's gone through some health things. But there are some people that say, Man, I'm going to smoke a cigarette. Well, that wouldn't be good for him to do. Okay? And, and so, that sin which so easily besets you, when you make that commitment, again, just like your salvation and just like marriage, you're making a commitment that says, I'm turning from all others and I'm turning to this one till death do us part. But when you turn to Christ till death do your part, it never happens because in Christ Jesus you don't die spiritually. You just go to be with Him when this body's over. And then when He resurrects it, He fashions it like into His glorious body. I mean, 
Who could have a better plan than that? And so it's up to you to do it. Christ-likeness shows that as Christ endured the cross, if you're saved, keep that ever before your heart and mind. Because you will never suffer as he did. I will never suffer as he did for my sin. You will never suffer as he did for your sin. We overcome by walking in the steps of Jesus Christ. Make sure your love for the Lord is for righteousness sake. That means something. Again, in marriage, you know, getting married is a repentance. It actually is a repentance. You're saying, okay, you dated those persons in the past. Maybe you're even serious about that person in the past, but it's over. I'm committed to this one person. Okay. I'm committed to Christ. I know he will never leave me nor forsake me. I know that he'll love me, even though I'll be unlovable. But he gives us a command in 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And so when those things get in, then we are no longer holy, acceptable, Unto him, so make sure your love is for righteousness' sake, not the flesh, not the world, not the pride of life. That pride of life seeks to be acceptable to men. Well, I want to be saved, I want to be a Christian. Oh, yeah, I want to, yeah. Took care of that. But I want people like me. But if they can't like me because I'm a Christian and I live like a Christian, I witness for Christ, and they won't like me for that. If I have standards, they won't like me for that. They don't like my Jesus. Why should I take their side over Christ's side? Why should I take their side over the Word of God? You see, that may tell us about our love, love not the world. If any man have loved the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And that's just distinguishing that verse, that when the fear of man becomes greater than the fear of God, then we have a love for the world and mankind more than we have for God. And so, we want to walk with God. And we want to be nice to people. Yeah, we want to be nice to people. I don't want people to hate me. <laughs> A lot of them may do, do so, but I don't want them to hate me but I don't want to change the walk with God for them not to hate me. Now, folks, we want to be holy and acceptable unto God. Never do anything that would be at the expense of being holy and acceptable unto God. Because that only spells for a saved person loss of reward. Not salvation, but definitely loss of 
of reward. And so, we, a lot of times want people to like us. And again, it's not unusual to want people to like you. But don't seek to be relevant to the world. How did they like Christ? Well, multitudes followed him. I remember, oh my, boy, this goes back into the <clears throat> late 60s, early 70s, but I was working in a warehouse and had a couple of people that would just make fun of you as a Christian. You didn't drink, you didn't do this, you didn't do that, you know, and stuff like that. And they just made fun of it. But I remember one man there that his wife was in an accident and wasn't sure how it's going to do. Guess what? That day when he'd come to see me at work, he just said, well, you have prayer for my wife. I'm not, I'm not a pastor at the time. I knew I was called to be a pastor at the time, but I wasn't one. I wasn't studying at college or anything for that. But he wanted prayer. He wanted prayer for his wife. He even came and visited here at the church a time or two with his wife. But when she got well, then they didn't want these standards. But I'm saying that to say is that you be that that becomes a Christian. You be that which becomes Christ. Now men, again, you and I, okay, let me just say I have. You know you have, but I'll say I have, okay? I have hurt Jesus Christ more than any of my children could ever hurt me, more than my wife could hurt me. I've hurt Jesus Christ more than that. And every one of us, if we're honest with ourselves, will probably say, yeah, that's true. But I haven't done what they did to me, or what he did to me, or what she did to me. So does that make it right? Not at all. Not at all. See, Jesus is our example. He endured it all. He reviled not again. He did not threaten them. I mean, just imagine taking nails in our modern day, and they've just beat you with this whip that has you just bleeding excessively out your back. They've whipped you. They've yanked the beard, if you have a beard, out of your face. They spit in your face. And then they start driving those nails into your hands and feet. If we're honest, most of us say, if I ever get off this thing, if I get delivered from this thing, I'm going to get a gun and blow your brains out. And you probably tell them that. You better hope that I die because if I don't, I'm going to kill you. See, what I'm saying is Christ left us an example. But keep it in mind, when I say we haven't hurt, uh, no one's hurt you as much as We've hurt Christ, as I've hurt, hurt Christ. In Genesis chapter 6, we learn something. 
God looked upon men and he saw that the thoughts of their heart was only evil continually. Well, that was back in that day. Does that apply to the day? Well, I referred to this this morning, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5. Therefore, judge nothing before the time until the Lord come. Now, a lot of people want to judge people. They're doing that because of this. They're doing that because of whatever. You know, don't believe what they're doing because they're just putting one over on you. That, that's not the way. Boy, we'll judge them in a hurry. He says, judge nothing before the time until the Lord come, who will both bring to light. What happens when you turn the light on in a dark room? <laughs> you see what's there. Now, it won't be dark in heaven, but there will be a light that reveals the truth. Bring to light the hidden things of darkness. And I believe that's referring to the things in my life that I did not get right with God as a Christian, as a saved person. Maybe it's something I didn't say. Well, I don't want people to know about that. If I say that to my wife, she'll kill me. Oh, if I say this to my husband, he, he would leave me. Or, you know, they'd no longer be my friends if I told them that, what I did, and it affects them. And You know what? They may be mad at you a while. And I've seen, I've seen men and women that have made things right with their spouses. And you know what God did? He allowed them to go through the suffering of that person just angry at them. But in time... God not only healed it, made it a great thing in their marriage that they were still together. And he's done that with friendships. And he will if we let him. Don't give up on the Lord Jesus Christ because he's not giving up on you. So he says the hidden things of darkness, he'll bring those to light and will make manifest the counsels of the hearts. Then, <laughs> boy, that's really baffling, this next phrase. Then shall every man have praise of God. When he reveals the counsels of the hearts, just like he said at the flood, he destroyed the entire world with a flood of water because he saw that the thoughts of men were only evil continually. Now, let's just say this about those three sons of, of, of Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Remember Ham? What did he do after they come off the ark? He walks in and mocks his father Noah, who is laying in a tent now after they've come off the ark. He's drunk and he's naked and he's making fun. He's mocking him. Now, a lot of people say, see there, Noah, if he hadn't got drunk, it wouldn't have been that way. Uh, do you realize that uh, there's nothing said until Genesis 9 about drunkenness? Many believe, and I can't say this for a surety, but I have a tendency to believe it, 
that the reason you don't see anything about drunkenness is because before this earth was surrounded by water. And when the, the Lord let loose of it from heaven, when he allowed the fountains of the deep to break up, all of a sudden, you have a sun that's shining straight on it and things begin to change. He may not have known that grape juice was fermented. And just like in the Garden of Eden, the devil perhaps tempted him. He drank it and said, oh man, what is that? Uh, man, that's pretty good, the devil says, isn't it? Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, drink it. And he's drunk. Now did that happen? I don't know. But we automatically assume what we don't know. Yeah, he was drunk and it was on purpose. But that's not the point. Why was Ham that way? Because the evil intents of his heart. But wait a minute. He got saved. He was on the ark. He was delivered. Yeah, he really was. But even though you're saved, you can go back into sin. It can catch you. That is why we have a personal responsibility before God to not allow that to happen to us. And so, keep understand that at the judgment seat of Christ, it's not going to determine whether you're going to go to heaven or not. If you're at the judgment seat of Christ, you're going to heaven. That's where saved people go. But it does determine reward. Some will be saved so as by fire. Others will hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful in a few things. Thou shalt be ruler over many things. That's his promise. And so, we find out that we'll be judged, even as it said here in 1 Corinthians 4, 5, for the thoughts of the heart. And then shall every man have praise of God? Yeah. Because we'll know without a shadow of a doubt that we were all saved by the grace of God. And we'll realize more than we do now how amazing that grace is that saved us. Some say, well, you know, you think that really applies to our thoughts? What did Jesus Christ say in his ministry? Since his father's day, I'll say this to fathers. Whosoever looked upon a woman to lust after her has committed adultery already in his heart. In other words, even though he did not have a personal relationship with that woman, because of the thought of his heart and the desires of his heart in that manner, he says, that's adultery. So I don't agree with him. <clears throat> you're not the judge, by the way. The judgment seat of Christ, you're not sitting on it. So understand, you're before him. Why will every man have praise of God then? You not only see the grace, in spite of all of that, He loved me. He loved me. And He still loves you today. We're in a time where I remember studying about the 1939 World's Fair and TV was introduced and changing pictures and the scientists, not, not the preachers, the scientists were warning 
that this is going to mess up America. This is going to mess up the world because the quick changing pictures, the quick changing things, scenes and all that, how it quick, quickly changes will mess up the minds of people and begin to really almost be like one of those mind control things with TV. And that became a part of it. And isn't it interesting? That's pretty well the way it is today. Why? Because there's a rock group out and your young people want to be like them. Or in the movies, they want to be like that movie star. They want to be like that person. Yet that person is immoral. They're filthy. They drink. They do everything else. And that's the people they want to emulate because it entertains them. It's like the juice. It's like the fruit of the tree to Eve and the juice to Noah. It, it tastes good. But it's not good to the spirit. It's good only to the flesh, which is corrupt. And so, as 1 Corinthians 4, 5 was addressed to Christians, and we realize the things that are brought up to the judgment seat of Christ. That's why I say, you wronged somebody, maybe it's been years ago, call them up, say, hey, I was wrong for doing that. Maybe you might call up and say, you know what, we did this together, we were both wrong. I got saved, I got right with God. And I don't want to be responsible for you going to hell without a witness. Maybe you need to do that. Maybe it wasn't those things. Maybe you stole something. But whatever it is, clean the slate. Ask God to give you wisdom and direction in cleaning the slate as he cleanses by his blood. Now look. I give you these scriptures tonight because what I'm telling you is reality and I believe the scriptures pretty well show you that. And that's not a what to use or what's then just give up. No, it's more of you've got the Holy Spirit of God. But we're talking about Father's Day too. Having your house in order. That's why if you're a dad here or you're a single parent, dad or mother, not only let the Word of God be a part of your every day. I mean, if you've got to get up, if you if you've got to be to work at 7 o'clock, you get up at 5 to get dressed and get ready and eat and all that other stuff where you go to work. Get up at 4 and have time with the Word of the Lord. Oh, that's too early. You just go to bed earlier. I can't preach on Sunday night. You preach too long. But you say, yeah, I don't want to do that. See, it's not you can't do it. You don't want to do it. So understand that what you don't want to do for the Lord also withholds what blessings you want to have from the Lord, and especially as it, as it affects your family, your prayer life, 
as you get to know the Lord through His Word, ask the Holy Spirit, God's Holy Spirit, to reveal it and help you to understand it. So just like that illustration we gave, that you know immediately something is right or wrong. Now, that means your children will never go wrong. It doesn't ever mean that. That's not what the Bible teaches. What it means is if you get it in them, it'll always be there to convict them. It'll be there to convict them. You know, Luke, uh, Luke tells us, and given a genealogy, that Adam was the son of God. Doesn't mean that as Jesus Christ is the son of God, but in his humanity he was the son of God, for God created him. So God is his father. Adam messed up big time. So was God the father of failure? No. Adam failed. See, too many parents want to take the personal responsibility from their children. They want to blame church. They want to blame the teachers at a school. They want to blame this happening, that happening. Teach them right. Do it. See, if you've got a home and you're not having a, uh, you've got children there and you're not having personal devotions with those children, you're not teaching them the Word of God. And by the way, if you'll get up early and read the Bible and then think on it through the day, you'll have something to teach them by the time they get home and before you go to bed at night with them and have, a, have a devotionals with them. We call it family altar. But maybe you need to get back into a family altar with your family, with your children, if you don't have it. See, it's time to have revival in America, but revival has to start in the church and in the individual lives of each Christian. We've got to have the mind of Christ. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God. <clears throat> that's pretty high, isn't it? Equal with God? Isn't that a high level? Man, that's a high level. Equal with God. And says, let the mind be in you, which was in Christ, who, being in the form of God, thought it not equal to be, uh, robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. In other words, he humbled himself. All that glory he had with him from the beginning, he was leaving that so that he might be the, in his love, die for our sins, in the Father's love to send him to die for our sins. Let that mind be in you. Some will have children that will just hate them for it. Ah, they always had us in church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, blah, 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 blah. But what does the world do for them? What does the rock and roll church do for them? Isn't it time to wake up? It's time for revival. It's time for revival. I'm not talking about a big meeting in the church. I'm talking about a big change in the hearts and lives of God's people. And our prayer must be, Lord, let it begin in me, whether it hits anybody else or not. I want it to be right. 
I'm going to have daily devotions. I'm going to be in the Bible. It's going to be a schedule. If you don't, if you fail to schedule your devotions, you're going to schedule yourself to fail. So decide, I'm going to be in the Bible. I'm going to have time set apart, apart so I can spend that time in God's Word and do it. Have devotions. Pray. And ask God to lead you every step of the way. As you go throughout the day, as things are going on, talk to the Lord. As you drive down the road, talk to the Lord. I mean, keep your eyes open. Talk to the Lord. Talk to the Lord. Let Him become that person in the car with you that you converse with as you drive. We need fathers, mothers too, who will say tonight, I'm going to get it back where it should be. Christ is going to be a part of my life, but not just a part. He's going to be my all in all. The Bible is going to be first in my life each day. I'm going to pray each day. I'm going to talk to the Lord each day. And I'm going to try to get that in my children. If you don't have children, I'm going to try to get that in fellow believers. I'm going to try to get that in others about me to lead them to Christ. And isn't that part of our duty? Lay aside those weights that so easily beset you, that cause you not to do those things that you ought to do. That weight may not be something like we mentioned drinking or drugs or anything else, but it might be something that of itself is not spiritual and holy, but you enjoy it so much, it keeps you from doing what you ought to do. Put your house in order because Jesus is coming again. Let's bow our heads, please.